morning. Lucky for you, I think, I preached a sermon at 8 o'clock and I didn't like it. So I didn't bring anything up with me. I, I really, I didn't like it. So what I thought I would do is share the, share the, share the story from my heart instead. This last three weeks, we have been dallying, taking our time, making our way through Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And if you can remember, I know for some of you, you're going to have to push on this. Two weeks ago, we talked about the lost what and the lost what? Coin and sheep, good, good. Last week, we, we moved to the third parable in Luke chapter 15, which is the, the parable of, uh, quote-unquote, the prodigal son. And um, the first week, we noted how it's not so much about the sheep as it is the shepherd. We also learned in that first week that it's not so much about uh, the lost coin, as it is about the diligent, feverish looking of the woman for the coin. And then last week we looked that it was not so much about the prodigal son who disappeared as much as it was about the extravagant, loving father searching and finding the son. So that leads us up to the second part of the parable of the prodigal son. And we're going to be looking... Um, from verses 25 to 32, I believe that's right, 25 to 32, which is just the last part of the parable. Um, and I want us to make notes of, of what's going on, and I want us to see what we can learn ourselves. Listen to the word of the Lord um, from Luke chapter 15, and I'm going to begin with verse 25. This is, remember last week, the father found the son, they had a fat, a calf killed, had a party. We'll pick up verse 25. Now the father's elder son was out in the field. And when he came up and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of his slaves and asked, what's going on? And the slave replied, well, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. And then the older brother became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen, for all those years, I've been working like a slave for you. And I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never, ever given me a young goat, even a young goat, that I may go and celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who, by the way, has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And then the father said to the oldest son, Son, you are always with me. And all that I have, all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. Because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost 
and he has been found. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. Indeed. See the parallels? Lost sheep, shepherd. Lost coin, feverishly looking woman. Lost boy, searching eager father. Each of our stories in this parable of all of Luke 15 match. Something is lost, something is found, and then there's a celebration. Shepherd loses sheep, finds sheep, throws a party. Woman has coin, loses coin, finds coin, has a party. Father has a son, loses a son, gets a son back, has a party. They're all the same. And it's easy to get lulled into this, so what? Yeah, feel the rhythm. Feel the rhythm. But then Jesus goes and he twists it. This last one. The parable could have ended with verse 24. And then the father had the fatted calf and threw a big party. Just like the other two parables, it could have ended with the celebration, but Jesus doesn't. Jesus tweaks just a little. As I look at this text, I began to wrestle with why. Luke is very strategic. He's an author. He writes with, with purpose. And here we have lost, found joy, lost, lost, found joy, lost, found joy, lost, found joy, grump. And the grumpy thing just kind of hangs out there. You know, what, what, what I like about it is it really makes it like a real family. <laughs> it's over party. No, I'm going to grump about it. Why? Did Jesus add this? And then it hit me. Jesus was a sly dog. He may have been a carpenter's boy, but he, he knew what he was doing. He was pretty shrewd. By ending the story, not with the party, but by extending the story out, what Jesus did is lasso all the listeners into the story with him. And they didn't realize it. You see, the listeners were the elder brother. The listeners to the story were the elder brother. Follow me. You have a son who takes the inheritance, runs off to Vegas, proverbially, spends everything on gambling, drinking, debauchery, insert all the adjectives you want to place in there. Loses everything. He resorts even cavorting with unclean animals like hogs and the swine and the, and the pit and the mire. He is outside community. 
Over here you've got your good boy, the firstborn, the good boy. Stayed home, who worked hard, did everything he was supposed to do, did everything he was asked to do. He never asked for anything out of the ordinary. He followed daddy's rules. And he went along and did everything he was supposed to do except one thing. And what was the one thing the older brother didn't do? Enter into the joy of the father. Why? Jesus was rewriting something here that we've, we failed to see. He's rewriting the Jewish story of salvation right in their hearing, and they finally get the punchline because he only adds it after the third parable. You see, there's something in literature called a meta-narrative, M-E-T-A narrative. And a meta-narrative is this overarching story that ties the community together in their understanding of identity as well as who they're understanding of what, is, of what is important in their lives and about what is truth. The meta-narrative carries over generations, and you can see it uh, reflected over and over and over in the story. For those of you who are mus musicians, if you, um, like Handel's Messiah, you, you begin with the overture, and the overture has these notes and elements of music that just kind of wind their way through the entire piece and tie it together. Well, a meta-narrative is a culture or a community's overarching big story that ties them and unites them. So for our Jewish friends, the meta-narrative is pretty basic. God created relationship. The relationship we liked and had went well for a while, but we rebelled. We were exiled. We realized we stepped in it, and it's, and it's not good. So we repented. And then God restores us back to relationship. And if you start with the story of Adam and Eve, and then you go through and you look at Noah, and you look at Abraham and Sarah, and you look at the kings, and you look at Moses, and you look at all this, and you can see this meta-narrative repeat over and over and over again. Relationship with God, communion with God, rebellion, I know better than God, which is sin, People finally come to their senses, repent, God restores. Relationship, rebel, repent, restore. Those are the four major waves of the Jewish meta narrative that was found in our Bible. It starts from Genesis and goes all the way through it. But Jesus adds a twist. And this is when he included his listeners that kind of hacked him off. The first part of the parable of the prodigal son, Jesus had him. Son left. Son repents. 
Son comes back. Father restores. There's a party. Except now Jesus expands the narrative. Jesus is saying, look at this picture. You're in the story too. You're the older brother. And the reason you, older brother, don't like this story is because you have followed the rules of God, the Torah, all your life. This is what you were supposed to do. You've done it. You were you obliged by it. You live by it. And now God is reaching out for that one in the pigsty. The one who is outside of the community. The one who is expelled from the rest of his people. And you're upset that God is throwing a party because the expelled one has been brought into the family. See, what Jesus is doing is he's expanding the circle of who's in the family. He's redefining who's in and who's out. The older brother, surely I'm in. I do everything right. I do everything I'm supposed to do. I follow the law just like I'm, supposed to, like I'm supposed to follow it. And Jesus is saying, yet, when the father brings in the outcast, you, elder brother, you people of the law, are failing to enter into the father's joy. Whew. Do you see what Jesus just did? He just pulled a pin off a grenade and threw it into this group of people listening to his stories about lost, found, lost, found, lost, found. Now it's lost, found, celebrate, grump. He said, okay, all you older brothers, Be upset with this new big overarching narrative that God has rewritten. Remember how God established relationship, how you rebelled, how you repented, how God restored you? Well, the story Jesus is saying is that it's so much bigger than just you. It includes them. What matters is not the rules. What matters is relationships that are loving towards God and loving to one another based on Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus is saying in our story today. That's the good news of the gospel in our story today. He's redefining the salvation story for the people of Israel. Those of us on the outside, we love it. But those of us who think we know the story oh so well that we do all the things we're supposed to do, we're not so sure. We get a little uncomfortable. Which character are you in this story of the prodigal son? Are you the wayward, hell-raising brother? Squandering everything? Or are you the brother 
or sister who has done everything by the rules, just like mom and dad said to do, and yet you don't seem to be acknowledged for it. And now mom and dad can go accept this person who's not even a part of the family. Which character are you? See, the beautiful news is, is that regardless of which character you identify with and I identify with in this story, whether we're the wayward pigsty sister or brother or the grumpy older brother who thinks we deserve it all or older sister who thinks we deserve it all, the beautiful thing is, is we have in common a gracious, extravagant, loving God searching for us. That's the gospel. No matter who we are in the story, God is the pursuer. That is the good news. And all of God's people said, pray with me. Holy Spirit, we come this day and give you thanks. We ask that you would enlighten us, inspire us, fill us. Help us, O oh God, to recognize who we are in the story. Help us to see how you've enlarged the story. To not only include people like me, but others like them. So that together we become we, your community, your church. Honoring and serving Jesus Christ. Thank you.